You're listening to Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Modern tales of an ancient pursuit. Website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode. If you're a podcaster, you'll be especially interested in it. If you're not, you still might be interested because it really is about conversation. It's about having engaging conversations and how we can put the focus on others, not ourselves. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. It is still Yellow Studio 2.0. Kind of, sort of. Racing our way toward Yellow Studio 3.0. I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet, but stay tuned. I'm glad that you're here. Glad you clicked play, and I hope that um, this will be profitable to you. We all engage in conversations. We do this every day. And I am one of those people who is not at all given to small talk. I loathe small talk, but I do understand it has its place and it it has a role and there is a necessity for a, a certain amount of it. I'm just the guy who's always going to be pushing to minimize it and get through it as quickly as I can either to get away from having any further conversation or it being a gateway into a deeper conversation. I could basically tell you straight up that professionally I engage in conversation. It, it's what I do. It's the work. It's me sitting down with somebody else and it's, it's us engaging conversation and the entire focal point of that conversation in a coaching relationship is we are both there. We are both present to do the work for this person. And this is really what provoked me to hit play today, because as I was thinking about conversation and I was particularly thinking about co-hosts and podcasts and, and the whole podcasting art form, which if there is a co-host or if there is a host and a guest, it's conversation. And even this podcast, Leaning Toward Wisdom, I, I would venture to say that even though it's a monologue, it really is a conversation, at least in my mind, it's a conversation that I'm having with you. And it's you and me. And while I am focused a bit on the narrative that I'm sharing, and I clearly have a viewpoint, and I'm clearly part of that narrative because, well, that was the whole focal point of the genesis of the show, you know, passing on legacy, passing on some things, some ideas, some insights and experiences and wisdom. And so that part of it is certainly self-focused, but the whole point behind it is not for my benefit. It began to benefit my family, my kids. Anybody that in the future, once I'm gone, uh, would click play and they might find it helpful. And along the way, as I have said over and over again, and it's the best phrase for it that I can ascribe, there was, there was you, there was this happy accident of 
listeners and people who came along and said, you know, we kind of like what you're doing. This is, this is kind of a good thing for us. And we began to collectively unify and kind of think through some of these things in search of the wisdom that we're all seeking. It may look different for you than it does for me, than it does for somebody else, but the quest is rather universal. We do want to get it right in real time, if at all possible. Okay, admittedly, sometimes we put in more effort and we'd get it right more closely, and other times we're too impulsive and we don't get it right at all. But as I was thinking about this and thinking about conversation, and I'm sitting with a client yesterday, and we're having this conversation, and as is often the case, there are moments when I'm sitting with a client over the period of an hour and a half to two hours, and that's typically the time spent. So these are deep, very deep, very personal, very confidential conversations. And over the course of a 90-minute to two-hour time span, it's very, very common for there to be one or more emotional moments, visibly or audibly emotional. And I love those moments. It's not about us making each other cry. It's just about can we touch, can we touch that part of our heart where we really live? Because man alive, when we get in touch with ourselves at that depth, there's just something magical that happens. And, and I rather embrace it and love it. And so I'm watching this unfold yesterday and a couple of those moments happen over the course of about two hours. And I'm completely in the moment. And I leave the office of this person and I go out to my car and I sit there for a moment before I even put the key in the ignition and start the car. And I'm thinking to myself about what I've just been through, about this conversation, this back and forth. And I couldn't help but think about this craft, this craft of podcasting. And I couldn't help but think about my role as a co-host. I couldn't help but think about other podcasts that I listen to where there are co-hosts. In some cases where they're, they're just pretty terrific, uh, they bounce off of each other really well. They both read the situation really well, really accurately. And then other situations where it just doesn't work that way at all. And I was thinking about my conversations and I was thinking about myself in terms of how good am I? at these kinds of things. And it's, this is going to sound incredibly arrogant, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm really, really good at reading the situation. I'm really, really good at, because empathy is just so ridiculously high for me. I'm really, really good at understanding the moment. And I feel like I'm really, really good at using the proper tone in the moment. Listen, I love snarkiness and sarcasm probably better than most way better than most but when you're sitting down with somebody and the moment is calling for a moment of sobriety i'm your man if you're sitting down and the moment calls for snarkiness or sarcasm i'm still your man but they're not the same moment they're very very different and i put the key in the car and i start the car and i'm thinking there's so much power in understanding the moment 
and in stepping outside yourself and not making yourself be the center of attention and not even thinking about yourself, just completely not even thinking about yourself. And I had an epiphany. I jokingly say I am just a man in search of an epiphany. It says so at my personal website, randycantrell.com. Um, and before I pull out of the parking lot, I'm thinking it's a big disconnect. It's a big disconnect. And, and I, I have increasingly noticed it more and more in people that just can't step outside of themselves or don't step outside of themselves or refuse to step outside of themselves. And I think all of those can be true, by the way. I know people who I think it's just it's just not in them to not put themselves in the limelight. It's, it's just not in them. You know, they are just filled with bravado and self-importance and they want the spotlight and they will hog the spotlight at every turn. And as we often say, they just can't seem to help themselves. I'm, I'm assuming that that's true. I'm not ascribing any ill intent on it. It just kind of is what it is. I do think there are other people that they just, they just refuse to work on it. They just refuse to kind of put themselves in the back seat. They refuse to shrink back into the shadows, if if you please, and let somebody else have the limelight because they just don't want to. And then, of course, yes, there's that absolute narcissist who they're the most important person in the room. They're the most important person in the world. The whole thing, everything revolves around them. It's all about them. It's all about, you know, whatever adulation and attention they can squander um, we, come on. We, we know these, we know these types of, of folks now, personality wise, here's one of the challenges that I have had all my life. I'm just not wired that way. I'm just so not wired that way. And so I have had to work all of my life to try to understand people who are, and as much as I'm able to, I think I kind of sort of get it. I mean, I get the way I'm wired. I get what my default behaviors are, and I think that makes it easier for me to look at somebody else whose default behaviors are dramatically different than mine and think, well, okay, as easy as this is for me to behave this way, it's equally that easy for them to behave the way they do, which happens to be, in some cases, 180 degrees from the way I would. Now, I'm watching I'm watching a video. I, I, the context is irrelevant. But I'm watching a video and it's an interview with a couple and they've experienced a disaster. And I'm watching this and the host begins by cracking a joke. And I'm immediately put off. I'm immediately thinking because I know I know the context of the story. And it's this is a couple who has experienced a disaster. And I'm thinking no, I'm not initially thinking, you know, I wouldn't do that. I'm initially thinking it's just inappropriate. It's just, man, talk about a bad sense of timing. Now, if you want to work into some humor later on so that you can laugh about it, which can be cathartic for all of us as we go through something rather traumatic, but to do that right out of the gate, I'm like, contextually, it just did not feel good at all to me. It felt awful. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking about our humanity. I'm thinking about us having these conversations with one another. And I'm thinking about our ability to 
read and sense people. I, I went, I went through a series of trainings some years ago, and part of these trainings were the facilitation of groups of people and something that I'm kind of naturally wired for again, because a, I'm a really good listener. B it's not difficult for me to be in the moment and C I'm empathetic to a fault. So I'm in one of these meetings and somebody lobs kind of a verbal bomb out there, which was a revelation of something that they were going through a really deep struggle. And the facilitator just glossed over it and went on to the next person. And I thought, how can you, how can you do that? This whole room was brought to a standstill. The attention in the entire room, it was very visible to me. It was obvious to me. This whole room was brought to drop dead silence because of what this person had just revealed and opened up about themselves. And it was, it seemed to me, it was, it was not only was it ideal, but it was, it was mandatory. It felt like to me mandatory that we address, we address what this person had just opened up and revealed about their own personal life and a difficulty that they were going through. And the facilitator of the group just, it was as though the person had not said one word. And I, I sat there, I was just in stunned disbelief and I'm like, how can, how can you, I wanted to stand up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't just move on and gloss over that. You kidding me? I mean, that that's been the most important thing said. I don't remember how deep into the meeting we were. It got completely glossed over and that meeting ended sometime later and it was never addressed. It was as though this person had just spoken this, this had confessed this thing out into the ether and nobody had heard it. They had chopped down the tree in the middle of the forest and there was nobody to hear it fall. And I felt awful. I felt awful. I felt awful for the group. I felt awful for the facilitator. Most of all, I felt awful for the person who, who was revealing this depth of humanity about themselves. And I thought, well, that probably ain't ever going to happen again. I mean, if I were, if I were him, I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I would ever come back to another meeting, but man, did it have an impression on me. And I have been in other situations like that. Have you been in situations like that? Now, what I've had to learn over the course of my life is there are people that really, as much as I lean into those kinds of things, I do understand because I've talked to people. I've had friends who've told me they hate it. They hate it. So if somebody like that pulls back the curtains of their humanity and they reveal something, they don't want to address it. They want to pretend like it never got said. They hate the fact that this person revealed that much about their own life and they don't want they don't want to go deeper into the conversation well that's all fine and well except in this context this was a person facilitating this and that was kind of the whole point that was the whole point of the group but i do understand our personality differences i get it i've told you before i'm the guy let me go into a room with just a handful of random people Give me two hours, three hours, whatever, with just six random people, and I'm good. But put me in a room for three or four hours with 300 random people. I am going to go find a corner, and I'm going to stay there because I'm going to be 
supremely frustrated. I'm not a wallflower, but I'm going to end up being a wallflower in that environment because that room is just going to absolutely suck the life out of me because it's going to be a room dominated by small talk. It's going to be a room dominated by posturing. It's going to be a room dominated by the attention seeking extrovert who wants to be the center of attention. And oh, by the way, they're going to have a lot of competition because if there's 300 people in there, there's not going to be just one. There's going to be dozens of them vying for all of the attention in the room. And that just exhausts me. And if you do happen to get in a conversation that has any depth to it, that conversation in a room filled with 300 people is very likely going to be interrupted time and time again. And you won't be able to have that kind of a deep conversation. Now that's me. The good news is not everybody's like me and that's fine. And I think this is where we kind of need to understand our roles and try to fill those roles as best we can. There's a reason that I do what I do for a living. There's a reason that I'm good at what I do for a living because it's not something that just anybody wants to do. I mean, pretty rare are the people, quite frankly, that want to take on somebody else's troubles and woes or even opportunities, but I love it. I love it. And I'm not trying to do this for them. I am not trying to make their decisions for them. I don't want to make the decisions for them and I'm not judging them. I just want to be a, I just want to be some kind of a vehicle that can help them more quickly and better figure it out. The figuring it out is for them to do. It's not for me to do. I'm just there to try to help them do it. I don't know what that looks like. They're going to make the decision. It's their life. It's their career. It's their family. It's their relationships and all the rest of it. So I, I'm driving back home and I'm thinking about podcasts. I'm thinking about my own podcast and I've got a co-host at growgreat.com, Lisa Norris and Lisa and I we're, we're kindred spirits. We're like-minded. It's very easy. It's very smooth. It's, it's just, uh, it's just easy. That's best word I can use to describe it. And it's comfortable. And neither of us has a real difficulty in, if we have a guest in trying to, trying to get whatever information we can that will most benefit our audience and our audience for that podcast are leaders in city government. So we want, we want the content to be supremely valuable and we clearly want the conversation to be engaging so that people will continue to listen, but it's just easy. No, we'll, before we start, I'll say, okay, you, you, you start us off and I'll just follow your lead. Other times she'll say, okay, well you start off and I'll just, I'll follow your lead. And we just, we just take it as it comes. And these are very conversational. Even when we have a guest, they're conversational. When it's just she and I, it's always conversational. It's not an interview, kind of a 60 minutes interrogation kind of a thing. And it's just easy. Now, I've spent most of my life since 1997 when I first put audio online. And that was, that was some iteration of leaning toward wisdom. I've just been one guy with a microphone. I haven't had co-hosts. I haven't had guests very, very regular, very seldomly have I had guests. And so I'm driving home and I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this craft of podcasting. I'm thinking about coaching. I'm thinking about these conversations that we have. And I'm thinking about reading situations and reading rooms and 
sharing empathy with people. And I'm thinking about this video that I had had watched where here's a couple that's gone through some disaster and, and the, the host is, you know, he's starting off the interview, you know, cracking a joke. And I'm thinking about all this and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering as I'm driving back home and fighting the Dallas Fort Worth traffic, how can we get that more right? How can we get that more right in real time? And for, for a podcaster, getting it right in real time, even if, even if you aren't doing live streaming, which I don't, but you're still recording the conversation in the moment. How can you get that right in real time? Because if you don't get it right in real time, then boy, do you get it wrong. Now I'm thinking about the jokester with a family that's gone through a tragedy. And I realize not a clue not a clue about the inappropriateness of it because not thinking about them thinking about himself and whether it's looking for the laugh or looking for the attention or whatever it is not thinking about them let me give you a word i'm going to give you two the first word is compassion and if you look it up you will find that compassion is a focus on others i'm going to give you a second word and the second word is leadership And one of the definitions that I ascribe to leadership is a focus on others. And it's really, really, really hard for some people. I just, I don't suffer that. I don't care if that sounds like I'm bragging or not. I just don't suffer that. It is not difficult for me to focus on somebody else. It just isn't because I just am not that important. And frankly, I'm just, there are so many things I'm just not that good at, but I'm really good at serving somebody else like that. I'm really good at making it be about them. I'm really, really bad at trying to make it about me. And that's a default. I would love to tell you that I have approached that with a very scientific and tactical and strategic approach, but I haven't. I'm just naturally wired that way. And again, I understand that some people aren't, but for us to look at somebody else somebody else who shares their humanity and to make it about us just drives me out of my ever loving mind. (laughs) It just, it just does. So I'm driving home and I'm, I'm thinking about all this and I'm, and I'm kind of getting worked up, which is not a great thing to do when you're driving in Dallas Fort Worth traffic. Cause you can get worked up anyway. I mean, without just by being behind the wheel, you can get worked up in Dallas Fort Worth traffic. But I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about how colossally stupid is this? How colossally selfish is this? When and if we are in these moments and we just can't get out of our own skin or head or whatever to make it about somebody other than us. I've said before, I I, kind of got roasted a little bit by a few people in social media when Pat McAfee joined college game day on ESPN, college football. I'm just, I am absolutely not a a Pat McAfee fan. Now he did the play by play for the NFL. Well, it's not an all-star game. They did a flag football game and he did a, I thought he did a really good job. I really did. I, 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 I was incredibly impressed with how well he handled that. Kirk Herbstreit was kind of doing the analyst part and Pat McAfee did an excellent job, I thought, in doing the play-by-play for that game. But put him on college game day, put him on his podcast, and 
I find him just one of the most insufferable human beings on the planet. I mean, he is just, he is just all about where's the light. Give me the light. Give me the spotlight. Shine the light right, right here. You know, he's just all about, he's just such an attention. You know what? It's just off putting to a guy like me. Now the public loves him by and large. It seems to me that the approval rating that he has is extraordinarily high. I don't get it, but who am I? And I only mention that to let you know that I'm, I'm painfully aware that I could easily be in the minority here. I could be a guy that I just roll the way I roll and I see it the way I see it. And I could be completely wrong. It doesn't mean that my opinion is invalid, but way more people could disagree with me than agree with me. I don't know. And while part of me doesn't care, another part of me is very concerned about that, that, you know, we, we, my lands have, have we lost our, have we lost our way to the extent that a facilitator in a meeting can completely bypass a man who, who drops some bomb to the group that clearly is, it warrants some discussion and it not be discussed. And nobody says a word. I mean, is that, or is that where we're at that a family can endure some, you know, some crisis, some tragedy, and we can't, we can't even begin the conversation with sobriety and with a bit of somberness that we think that we've got to come out. We've got to come out with an opening gag or a bit or a joke. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't, I absolutely don't get it. I, I think it's cruel. (laughs) I think it's completely cruel. It's a complete lack of compassion. There is no focus on others. I'm focused on myself, me, me, look at me. It's all about me. It's not about this other couple or this family or this person that I'm talking to and whatever they've gone through. I mean, I don't know. I, by the time I got home, I was, <laughs> I was completely worked up. So worked up that, okay, now here, here it is a day later. I've hit record with, with no notes in front of me, by the way. And that's, I haven't done that in a long, long time. Worked up that we won't pause enough to take a look at one another and to realize whatever we're going through, good, bad, or ugly, I get it. We're all fighting a fight. But especially when it comes to podcasting, when it comes to the craft of having conversations, whether it's a podcast and we're recording that conversation or whether we're a co-host and we're having to play off of another co-host or whether we have a guest or whether we're in a client's office and we're having a coaching conversation. Can we let somebody else be on? Can we let somebody else have the stage just for a moment, perhaps? Can we make the conversation about somebody other than us? You know what I love about the coaching stuff? There is no expectation of reciprocity. You have these casual conversations and, Oh, Hey, Hey Joe, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Hey, how are you doing? You know, right. I get my time. You get your time. I love coaching conversations because that's not how it rolls. I walk in the door. We both know who we're here for. (laughs) We both know we're here for you. We both know that we're not here for me. And I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I happen to think that that's the way great podcasting works. Again, I could be wrong, but I think 
I think podcasts that involve a guest, whether with or without co-host, can we, can we come into the room without any expectation of reciprocity? Can we come into a room expecting that it's going to be about them? It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about them. Can we do that? I'm really attracted to the people who can do that. I am completely, utterly put off by people who can't. There you go. There's a half an hour rant that you'll never get back. I don't know. I just, I, it's fascinating to me. The way that we conduct conversations with or without reciprocity kind of fascinate me. The way that some of us may be uncomfortable because somebody's going through something, and so our natural tendency might be to just make light of it. Here's my question. When, when a person does that, are they thinking about what's best for the, the other person, or are they thinking about what's best or most comfortable for them? Yeah, you and I both know the answer. They're thinking about themselves. I'm going to insert humor here because humor helps me deal with this. But what if humor doesn't help the other person? What if that's not what they need in the moment? I mean, does that appear to you as colossally selfish as it does to me? I mean, it's just ridiculously selfish, I think. Not to mention rude. And for a person like me, completely obnoxious. Totally obnoxious. I don't know. It's worth, it's worth thinking about. It's worth having deeper conversations about. I guess we can go through life and we can have all these cheesy, shallow conversations about nothing. We can spend a lot of time talking with each other and getting nowhere and expressing nothing. And oh, by the way, let me give you this little side note, probably worth an episode all by itself. For some people, I'm the ideal person. For other people, not only am I not ideal, I shouldn't even be in the universe. I shouldn't even be in the conversation. You got people like that. You've got people that are completely, totally, utterly safe for you. You absolutely positively know they are safe for you. You are 100% convinced they have got your best interest at heart. And then there are other people. You absolutely positively know they don't have your best interest at heart. And then there's a whole lot of people in the middle that you don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But. That maybe doesn't make them safe. That maybe makes them unsafe. It's especially true when people are going through something. You, you see this all the time. Somebody has suffered something. They're going through some suffering, some pain, some struggle. And everybody thinks that, well, they're, you know, I, I'm the right guy to, I'm the right guy to go up and say something to them. Nah, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. Maybe it would be best if you just kept your distance. Maybe it would be a best if you just, went up to them and said, I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. And you just leave it at that. It's another point of irksome, irksome for me that, you know, people who think I'm the right person for everybody in every situation. And I mean, how colossally arrogant is that? There's a few people and I'm perfectly ideal. And there are many, many other people. Not only am I not ideal, I should not even be under consideration. That's just life because people are people and we're all different. We've got preferences and opinions and all that. I just get fixated on this, this definition of compassion though, a focus on others. And I'm increasingly, as I get older, getting more and more fascinated with our seemingly collective inability to do that.
I would apologize, but you know I'm not going to. <laughs> it weren't much of a rant, was it? Not really. More of a pet peeve kind of a thing. I'll tell you, man, being being a co-host on a podcast because of these very issues has been ridiculously trying for me. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to lean into a conversation, you know, when, when a person drops something, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm wanting to pursue that. I mean, come on, they're, they're revealing something here. And when you've got a co-host that doesn't even catch it, doesn't even pick up on it, and they're just thinking about the next punchline that they can deliver to try to get applause that, as podcasters, we never get to hear. <laughs> Which to me seems colossally stupid, but it is what it is. I know you're there. I also know you're not applauding ever. (laughs) Oh, and I can hear you when you click the stop button too. Or when you click that fast forward. You know, you want to play me at three times speed because I'm talking too slow. (laughs) Or I'm pausing too much. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't think I knew that, did you? I'm smart like that. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. I'm glad you clicked play. I hope you are. Think about the conversations that you have. Be in the moment. I didn't even talk about, you know, the, the scourge of all conversation and human interaction. Face to face, anyway. The cell phone. It is true, you know, uh, marriages, if we would speak to or interact with or touch our spouse as much as we did our phones, I bet you marriages would be stronger. Just saying. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome. Inside the Yellow Studio. Studio.